Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and whatever time of day you happen to be listening to us, welcome back to another episode of Moms of Minis Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay. Sophia is not with me today because this is going to be an extra special episode. We finally have it for you. Moms of Minis presents Dads of Minis. So we have been teasing this episode since our very first episode, I believe, and it's finally here. We really wanted the dads to feel like they could be themselves, that they could be uncensored and honest, and we just let them go. We hit record, and they had a really great conversation. So here it is, Dads of Minis. We are here with my husband, Nathan, and Sophia's husband, Joaquin. We finally have our Dads of Minis episode up and running, and we are just going to let them take over, talk about whatever it is they want to talk about, hopefully mainly their experience as dads. Um, but, uh, yeah, guys, take it away. Nate, I'm, uh, I'm glad to know that your full name is Nathan. I don't know that I've ever heard that articulated, but. <laughs> yeah, it's not Nathaniel, as we, as I've actually had to correct somebody today, it is Nathan. Um, Interesting. Well, you know what, the more you know. Yeah. Learn something new every day. But, uh, I'm, I'm Joaquin, I guess that's not self-evident since we've never been on the podcast. That's true. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm Nate a.k.a. Nathan, a.k.a. not Nathaniel. I've, I have a little bit of podcasting experience before. My um, a f- couple friends and I in grad school, we did a weekly fantasy football podcast, but it, was, it wasn't like a... I mean, we sort of did talk about everything, but it was just like our leagues. It was very... It was never meant for a broader audience, so I'm going to have to put myself in that mindset of people listening don't necessarily know me. Oh, don't sell yourself short. You're also a semi-professional beer reviewer. That's true. That's true. I do have an internet presence. Give yourself a plug, man. This is your one and only chance. But I've always been told I have a voice and a face for radio, so... (laughs) So we're here, and... um, Talking about about dad stuff. Um, It's funny, because I don't think... You know, I think, like, in the past, we've talked maybe a little bit here and there about just experiences... That we've had here and there, but I don't think we've ever had a discussion about, you know, fatherhood and, and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting that this is sort of a, a new thing for us, too. So it's, it's all happening. We're going to do it live, as uh, Bill O'Reilly once said, yeah. but uh, in a way less uh, less appropriate for a podcast meant for family <laughs> <laughs> listeners. Yeah, I, uh, I thought this was uh, the way uh, Sophia cued me in before I left the house was, all right, you guys are just going to just gonna go and um you know we'll we'll chop it up later you know joe rogan style we'll just start the pod (laughs) mid-sentence but uh, i think this uh this is good we we kind of decided we're just gonna just gonna wing it you know yeah uh discuss what whatever whatever comes about um i was gonna bring up i was listening to a podcast on the way over here actually um which is uh, the rich roll podcast crazy guy, ultra marathoner. He did five Ironmans on all five islands of Hawaii. So anyways, nothing I'd ever want to do, but it's nice to hear someone else wants to do that. So his name was Rich Roll. It, did he used to go by Rick Roll and then the like internet phenomena <laughs> kind of killed it? I don't know. It was like I met a guy that insisted for years his name was Pacheco and then he ran for office and it was Pacheco all <laughs> over again. So yeah. that's a little northern New Mexico joke for all you guys listening. But <laughs> Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was discussing, uh, you know, they, you know, these guys are now in their fifties that were on this podcast, but they were looking back on a, on a lifetime of, uh, you know, both, uh, I guess performance achievements, different, 
uh, you know, he was discussing with an author, um, you know, so someone that's been a prolific uh, adventure author, uh, you know, balancing their professional and personal ambitions with, uh, you know, their place in the family and fatherhood and, and being well-rounded individuals. And so I, I think that's kind of, you know, what I first like to get get started on. I mean, we've talked about that before, you know, Nate also semi-professional northern New Mexico trail explorer. <laughs> I think Nate, more than anyone I've ever met, has, uh, has explored um, the various hiking trails of northern New Mexico um, quite thoroughly, not just, uh, you know, the, the common ones you'll see on, uh, <laughs> on your uh, tourism department maps, but, but the ones that are a little bit more off the beaten path. So, um, Well, that's an interesting segue because I think you know, I would, I think I maybe have a little bit of a different experience than others in that, you know, my job, I don't think there's necessarily a lot of pressure to, you know, work overtime, to take on extra hours. I mean, there's some of that, but I, but it's, I won't get into that too much, but as far as the details of that, but in general day-to-day work, that doesn't really exist. And the notion that you can kind of hustle your way up to the top is not really, uh, it's not really part of the culture of my career anyway. And so I think maybe I have a different experience than other dads where I don't have to necessarily worry about that. And so I don't find that when it comes to like a work-life balance, there's quite so much of that issue. For me, it was one of those things where like Joaquin said, I, it's kind of, you know, one of the things I do a lot is I love basically every other weekend, I really like to get out and do a hike. I mean, it's kind of like my main form of exercise so it's for health reasons and just, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of fun to see cool scenery, to explore different places, um, especially when they're roads less traveled, literally. And um, one of the things that I kind of told myself before our son was born was, oh, kids, they love the outdoors. Like it'll be, I'll just, I'll put them in the baby backpack, we'll go out and do it. And actually, you know, I think our first hike with him in the baby Bjorn. So if you don't know what that is, it's kind of this thing that you, this this harness that you strap to your front and then slide the baby in. It's it's good for like newborns, but I think once they get to like nine months, they probably have outgrown it. And I think our first hike was actually not that bad of experience, except for the fact that it was really hot. I remember that we went out to, um, I don't know how national or international the audience is. We went out to Apache Canyon which is a sort of a terrifying trailhead near Santa Fe because it's literally right off the highway. And so, and there's no signage or anything. And then when you want to get back on the highway, you just have to pray that a car or a a truck is not coming around the corner to run you off the road. But um, we went there and it was really hot because I think it was early August or something. And otherwise he slept for most of the time. We were just mostly worried that he was going to overheat actually. But then Labor Day weekend, we went on a hike up, at the Santa Fe ski area and we put him in the baby Bjorn and it was terrifying. All he did was scream the entire time. And then we went to this area called La Vega, which is a really nice meadow, not too far from the ski area, but it, it, the crowds don't really go there quite as much, even though it's really nice and maybe I shouldn't be revealing it, (laughs) but, um, there's a way that you can do it as a loop. And my guidebook describes it as the elevator shaft because it's just, you go straight down. But for some reason, I guess I didn't really take it seriously. Like it wasn't clear to me like, Oh, is this difficult? You know, just cause you have to walk downhill or uphill a lot. Or is it like, 
uh, technical, you know, that you could slip. And so we decided to go down the seat part because, well, who wants to go up the seat part? And that was like, we had, we were going probably like half a mile an hour. We were just inching because we had a screaming baby in front of us. And when, you know, that's one thing I'll tell you is the fatherhood advice I'll give any new dad is baby screaming makes everything 10 times worse. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, you know, raises the, the cortisol levels to a, to a, an unreasonable level that I, I never anticipated was possible. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting, I think kind of going back to, you know, um, you know, now, now I'm in a very stable job. I have, you know, a regular eight to five, um, you know, during certain seasons, it is very demanding, but, but for the majority of the time, you know, I can be pretty regular, but, um, you know, speaking of kind of that, kind of that Zen hour to be outside, you know, and, and return to nature a little bit has been kind of a recent discovery of mine, um, you know, I always was a was a runner. Did uh, you know sprint triathlon? You know, different different things with my family. That that was just we were an outdoorsy family. So I really wanted to impart that to my daughter. But um, you know, and I and I still obviously intend to do that. Uh, something recently that's that's kind of been made a little more clear to me is, um, you know, to set aside time for myself personally to to recharge in a way that, you know, I I don't think I physically had the opportunity to do early in you know late in the pregnancy early in, in my daughter's life um you know i think that would have helped add a lot of balance to the craziness of everything um but you know now that my daughter's almost two it's it's definitely been a practice i've been um you know trying to integrate into my routine more regularly because you know i i had this perception in my mind early on that you know as the family grows they just go along with everything you do, you know, every time I want to go on a hike or every time I want to go ride, ride a bike, like, oh, everybody's just going to come with me. And that was like the natural, I mean, and it, and it has been fun to do that at, at times, you know, but, but there's also been times when maybe that's just not the season we're in, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe my kid's not going to enjoy being in the, uh, you know, in the bike carriage because <laughs> it, you know, there, there's, and, and I've learned now that, that sometimes um, you know, changing expectations and, and being more intentional, especially with my recreational time to, to be outside is, has been a big help. You know, that, that mindful time, I've been finding it in the morning to, uh, you know, either exercise in the house or, you know, be outside. Um, but then also to make that time to kind of lower my expectations. You know, we're not going to go for a 15 mile ride. Maybe it's just, you know, around the block a couple of times. And, um, you know, we're going to have to stop three times to, you know, change out snacks or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I think I've listened to most of the episodes of the girls podcast. I have to admit, I haven't listened to them all, but <clears throat> I think one of the common themes is sort of the, I guess I would call it the make believe world of social media. And so one thing that I notice a lot, you know, I, on Instagram and various social platforms, I'm generally following generally local outdoor content creators type people. And so, and then the algorithm has figured out that I'm a parent basically. And so it'll <laughs> often recommend me videos and Instagram posts of people, you know, out with their kids. They're either, you know, anywhere from newborn to toddler to older kid. And, and I watch that knowing that it's a farce, knowing that like, yeah, you have this picture 
of you're holding your baby out of this remote mountain lake and it's like you're you did not show the fact that that kid was screaming for eight hours on your chest and that your back feels like it's going to fall apart because you were carrying that kid (laughs) and so i think one of the things that i did have to learn i i think i already knew it but but maybe there were times when i tried to push it a little bit too much was you kind of have to i mean there's a reason why they call them baby steps is that you have to approach things knowing that they might blow up in your face, but if you do it enough times, the kid will get used to it. I think I've had some pretty good experiences lately going out with Austin, uh, my son, we went to, uh, we did one hike up in the Dale ball trails, which is for those who don't know, that's kind of like a local trail system to Santa Fe, nothing really too intense. You don't have to like drive an hour to get there. It's literally in town. And we, he had a great time doing that. And he, you know, he had to have some fun and there was, he got to run around a little bit, be outside, and he really liked it. And then we did another one back up in the ski area up to Aspen Peak, which is like a really easy hike. And it was one that probably if I was by myself, I wouldn't, I would never do it because it was so easy. But with him, I was like, oh, what the heck, we'll do it. And when you, when I put myself in the mindset of like, yeah, we're going to be going like, it's going to take us two hours to go a mile. Yeah. When I put myself in that mindset, it was a lot more relaxing and he had a lot of fun and he just loved going up there and pointing at things, shouting, it was, it was fun. So I think that's one of the things that can be frustrating for new parents. And maybe, I mean, I don't know. Am I a new parent having with a 18 month old? I don't know. I feel like I am, but I still have to remind myself that patience is key. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, it's so interesting. And I think that I'll, I'll kind of use that as a bit of a segue too, because, you know, I don't want to, you know, create, create too much of a, a martyrdom of fatherhood <coughs> to where it's, you know, this, this constant toil and sacrifice and, and things like that, because, you know, the, they're, they're for all of the advice or of, of stum, you know, stumbling blocks to avoid and difficulties and, and seasons that are hard, there is infinite amounts of joy and, you know, great satisfaction and gratitude in showing a, a completely innocent, tiny little human being, this whole big old world that we take for granted. And there's so many, you know, just there's been so many of those, you know, blissful moments where, um, you know, we're, we're doing something that to me would be mundane on a day to day. But, you know, to see my daughter point up and, and point out a plane, like just from like, you know, <laughs> stuff I, I have for one reason or another just totally ignored my whole life um, to see that, uh, you know, kind of excitement of something brand new is so cool. Um, well, I think we can, you know, speaking for myself, maybe, but I think we can all think back to a time when we were young and had a gross obsession with something, you know, usually for boys, it's something mechanical, at least for me, it was, you know, like trains, uh, trucks, cars, right? Like just, it's funny because it's stereotypical of like, oh yeah, little kids, they just love that stuff. And then when you see it kind of organically develop, right, when you look back at it, from as an adult and you look back at it like yeah once upon a time I loved trains but you can't really like really put yourself in the mindset of somebody who's enamored with trains but then it's fun when you see uh your child kind of take that liking to something like that like my my son really likes cars all of a sudden and to him I think just anything with wheels is a car so I, don't, I think he just likes kind of rolling things 
And one thing that I was not expecting him to really like was there's this YouTube channel called, I think it's Matt's Off-Road Recovery. <laughs> and it's this guy who just the entire channel, he's based out of like southwestern Utah, which is really popular for off-roading. So people get stuck all the time. And he has these like big, you know, recovery vehicles where he'll go out and like rescue them probably for a small fortune. <laughs> and uh, so Austin's watching it and he's just, every single time that guy's, uh, he drives like a Jeep. And every time the Jeep was up, he would just shout at a car. And it was just funny to see like how enamored he was with I, that little thing. I thought you were about to tell me that you watched, you know, he was like really into the Repo Man or something. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would be, I, I honestly. Because like, I mean, that's basically what it comes down to is the guy, <laughs> most of the show is like, you know, they, op they open up, they talk about, oh, we're going to such and such location. And then like the majority of the show after that is just them, you know, hooking up <laughs> the stuck car to their car and pulling it out. So it is essentially, it's, it's Repo, but... But more exciting. <laughs> more exciting. It's Repo Man in nature. <laughs> I saw it on a tangent. <laughs> Repo Man repossess a, a tough shed that someone had fashioned into a home. They they just dragged the, the cable underneath the structure and just, just pulled it onto the back of the truck through on its skids and then just wow. took off with it. <laughs> and the guy was in his driveway, you know, just watching it all happen. There goes his things, but... Hey, you know that's uh, <laughs> that is the uh, the trap of debt. Um, <laughs> Jeez. And uh, <laughs> well, I guess uh, I guess maybe maybe finances would be an interesting thing to discuss. I mean, um, and maybe not finances in like a granular sense, but in a macro sense um, to encourage uh, maybe maybe young dads if you're the the provider or the main income source of the household, like. Um, don't worry, your kid's going to be okay with secondhand stuff. <laughs> don't worry, your kid doesn't need that much to be happy. And, you know, we were, I mean, we moved to Santa Fe when my kid was five days old, lived in a one bedroom apartment while I was getting, you know, situated at work. And of course it was on a temporary gig that turned into a full-time gig. Um, you know, and, and during that time, you know, we had some luxuries, I would say luxuries that we could have gone without like fancy diaper pails and changing tables and all that. But I mean, really the greatest gift you can impart to your child, I think is just that quality time, that, um, that affection that there is no substitute for that, but there's plenty of substitutes for <laughs> all the other must haves you'll read about <clears throat> on the websites. Yeah. Well, I guess like my, my perspective on that is I think, you know, there are some things that you should have before, before the kid comes home, right? Like a crib, diapers, uh, the essentials, hide, uh, somewhere for them to sit while they eat. Actually, maybe not even that because they don't really sit up by themselves even assisted until they're a little bit older because mm. they can't hold their neck up. So in reality, like you don't necessarily need all that stuff. I mean, it, it's good to be prepared and have some stuff, but I think... and. You know, I think maybe it was a little bit more Lindsay pushing it than me. I don't I actually think maybe I kind of pushed against it was the idea of like, well, we need to have all this stuff so that we're prepared. My perspective was like, well, you could just get it at the store, right? It's not like you're like homebound when the kid comes, <laughs> right? Like you're you're still able to get in the car and drive somewhere and buy something. Now, I also understand that when you, you know, have that seven to eight months of knowing that the kid is coming and knowing that you have these things. It just, it's easier to like time integrate that out, right? Like ask for that for Christmas, for birthdays, for baby showers. So 
family members and friends can kind of help you out financially so you can plan financially for it. But at the same time, like it's okay if you don't have something, it's gonna like, you can still go to the store. It's not like, yeah, it's not like you're, and maybe for us, it was a little bit different. I maybe even more so for you guys because of COVID yeah. given that it was like stuff was close and it was sometimes hard to get stuff. And the, yeah. But, that, that is one caveat. I mean, hopefully we never have to experience that again in our lifetimes, you know, a, a time like that. But I, I mean, you know, even so for, for my wife being the, the army prepper that she always is with, you know, thinking 15 steps ahead, I, and, you know, I think you and I are more in the same vein of, well, if we don't have it, we'll just get it. When we need it, we'll get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you know, even so, I think with, with the over-preparedness that we went into it with, you know, a lot of it kind of fell by the wayside, but, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity to, to dive into, you know, uh, gear. I'm sure the girls have already discussed this. Yeah. But, I think maybe, um, well, I think it would be interesting to have a dad's perspective on yeah. what gear we found helpful. But yeah. before we get into that, I, yeah, I just want to add like what you're doing when you, when you over-prepare, you're actually stressing yourself out more. One, you're spending money or other people are spending money that they maybe don't have to, right? Like I'm looking at you, owl, that owl is the most useless thing. I mean, that the owl, I think for those who don't know, I, I know the girls explained it in a different podcast, but it's like this sock that goes over the baby's foot and it basically tells you if, if your kid is dead and um, it like connects to your Wi-Fi and everything. And it just doesn't work. I mean, it's like. Uh, it's, yeah, it, big stressor. <laughs> and the kid kicks it off all the time. So it's, oh, my baby's dead. Nope, he just kicked off the owl. Um, so we, you know, that's like the microcosm of like over-preparedness is that the thing costs a lot. It just stresses you out even more. And like getting rid of the owl was like, I think a ritualistic first step for us in kind of like accepting that we weren't over-prepared. I think, I think they also mentioned this in a previous episode, but like just another microcosm of this is like, you know, we went to the hospital when, um, when my wife went into labor and I was carrying like five bags that probably weighed a combined 120 pounds. And it was like, we didn't need all that. Uh, we live five minutes away from the hospital. I mean, granted again, caveat COVID, but, um, you know, it wasn't that easy to leave the hospital and come back, but yeah, you're, I guess, yeah, you're just, the point I want to make is like, you think you're, you think you're doing yourself a favor by being overprepared. But you can actually, I think being overprepared makes it more stressful, more anxiety inducing for several reasons. So just, it's okay to wait. It's okay to wait to buy something. Yeah. But you were, so we were getting into, um, yeah, I mean, oh, I, gear, gear I, to, yeah. I mean, like there was definitely some like things that, that fell into that category of we didn't have, and we found out about or heard about somewhere through the process, um, you know, uh, in, in particular, this one, when, when Ellie was first teething, like she hated all of the teethers that anybody had ever bought her. And this weird little, it looks like a hot glue gun stick that's turned into like a jack. I don't remember what it's called, but that thing was like a miracle. <laughs> I don't know. Sophia's aunt's, aunt's friend told us about it or something. So there's just like little things like that. I'm sure my wife can put the link to whatever it is in the show notes, but, um, you know, um, little helpful things like that. And at some point we ditched the diaper pail because frankly, when babies poop early on, it's not like the worst thing in the world you'll smell when they start eating real food. That's when it stinks. (laughs) And so honestly, like the volume of diapers changed in the beginning, I think a regular, if I, if I could have gone back, I'd have said, 
dump the diaper pail early on, leave it for when the diaper changes are less frequent and worse smelling, have just a regular trash can early on. I don't, I don't think, you know, that's a, that's an investment you have to make up front. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other, uh, other random things that, you know, jump out at me. The, speaking of baby Bjorns, there was, we had several of them gifted to us. There was one in particular that worked really well. And it was like this two piece system where it's like, a, it was like a hip belt with like a big foam block underneath. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a couple of like over the baby straps that load dispersion wise much better than the the you know the scarf thing and the you know kind of you know limp clip yeah. system <laughs> yeah this i guess this one thing i'll say is like when it comes to baby backpacks um you know we got really lucky i don't i i shop at rei a lot i'm a member um they don't sponsor the podcast by the way so I'm, i get no money by saying this but um because of COVID, they—I don't—I don't even know if they brought back garage sale yet. But because of COVID, they suspended garage sale, which was kind of like they. So REI has a very generous return policy, not as much as they used to. It used to be, um, no questions asked, returns for life. Now I think it's a one-year period, which is a lot less than life for most people. Um, and they, uh, so they. But then they like resell that gear in what they call garage sale, and it's heavily marked down because a lot of times there's nothing wrong with it. A lot of times people lie and say like, "Oh, it it was ripped," and then you look at it, it's like there's no rip here. You're just like you you felt bad about going I, up to I, the I customer some, service and saying, Hoka, "Oh, I just don't like it." I saw some Hoka trail shoes at REI two days ago that must have been ran in for like probably the upper end of that year block, and then they brought them back in. <laughs> well, it's like there's people there's people who feel like they need. Well, so yeah, that's too. So that's the reason why they probably got rid of the your uh, uh, lifetime return is like some people do abuse it, and so still you know if you you know for me trail runners probably last about a year so I guess I sort of understand that but but with that said uh, there's a on the other end of the spectrum are people who just don't like an item and rather than just saying like it's not like the REI people are gonna like bring you to the back room and like beat you if if they think <laughs> that you're lying about the item or right like. You just say, I don't like it. And then they take it. And it's like, then a future customer doesn't have to like, you know, when they're buying that at garage sale, they don't have to sit there and look the item over and be like, does this really have a rip on it? Does this really have such and such thing? Like, it looks fine to me. Um, but so we got a, a baby, like a nice Osprey baby backpack for like probably a quarter of the price of what it was going for new. So it was really great. I've taken Austin in that a couple times and it just seems like he sometimes he'll be great in it so like when we did this hike up at the dale ball trails he was great in it. he just loved being in it he was quiet he was calm when we went up the ski area he just yelled he just wanted to be out of the thing and he wants to run around but it's like he doesn't understand the concept of like you need to be on the trail and go somewhere you can't just run in the woods <laughs> and get eaten by a lion or something um so I, with that gear so gear wise like yeah it's kind of like I think like it's good to have some kind of backpack if you like doing outdoor stuff. At the very least, like certainly easier than carrying them. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes it's not. <laughs> but with that yeah. said, um, I don't think when he was really young, I don't think there was anything that I would identify as like life saving. I, to me, it was just sort of uh, things that you didn't need, like the owl. Like I would put that as like anti gear. Just don't get the owl. Just don't get the owl. Um, but other things. You know, I 
this is maybe more abstract, but like, don't be afraid to size up the diapers. I still have this fight with Lindsay where like he blows out pretty much once he blows out like two diapers in a couple days to me, it's like, he's outgrown these diapers. We need to put them in a size up. We usually have a size up, but Lindsay usually insists that, Oh, well we got to use the ones that are left. It's like, well, there's 20 diapers left. You could just give them away. It's not that big of a deal. Or I guess we could sit there and experience three more blowouts or four more blowouts before, so that's my kind of advice is don't be afraid to size up when it's time. Just give the other diapers away. Somebody I'm sure would love to have 10 to 20 diapers that fit their kid instead of you having to clean blowouts. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of little, I mean, yeah, I mean, thinking about baby backpacks, we got gifted a really nice Kelty um, baby backpack that, you know, what I, what I did ex- experience when we first used that was... I think she was too small to like really enjoy it. Cause you know, it has like the little foot stirrups and yeah. like when they're too little to, you know, enjoy being up high, like the experience of being on at shoulder height, I think is like the greatest incentive for them. So, you know, um, the baby backpack was, has been most useful in those instances when now that she's older, she, enjoys it more because when we first tried to use it the first time she fell asleep in it which was fine Uh, but the second time and third time she just didn't like that being confined like that and didn't really gain any gain anything i think being up high but it's still a good good thing to have when it's time um yeah i lots of anti anti-gear recommendations you know diaper genie whatever the off-brands are not necessary in my opinion those first few months um oh man i guess um one thing i would say and and this is it's financially difficult i'm I'm gonna admit that but maybe if you could find something used or like a garage sale type thing or if you could borrow one is like a quality jogging stroller Mm. because like if you look those cheaper brands that come from like walmart and stuff because we had one that i think was given to us as a gift and this i don't think they've talked about on the podcast so this might be new groundbreaking information for everybody, but we had this Walmart brand jogging stroller. And so for those who don't know, in the Southwest, there are these plants called goat heads. And there are these vines that kind of grow and radiate out, um, you know, in spring and summer. And then by late summer, they leave these, I think they're like seed pods. And why they're called goat heads is imagine like the way a goat's head looks, right? Like it's got ears that stick out, horns, the goat, uh, the goatee. And so the seed pods look like that, but it's all like this wooden, you know, it's basically like a wooden fibrous material. And so it, if you step on them, like it hurts worse than stepping on a Lego, right? Like they're actually sharp. They can draw blood um, and they are hell for tires. Mm -hmm. And so we had this jogging stroller that came from Walmart that was given to us as a gift and, you know, it worked fine in like June and July before the goat head started um, you know, uh, they started, I don't depositing. know what you would call it. Yeah. Depositing yeah. from the plant. But then like late summer came around and it was just, yeah, it's like, we couldn't, we literally could not get past our front lawn to jog. And so, you know, we started doing research on like getting tire replacements and all this stuff. And like, I mean, I, I had replaced the, the, what do you call it? The inner tube. I'd replaced that like five times. And then I was just like, you know, this, the outer tube 
or whatever you do, the tire yeah. is just not good enough. So we looked into getting replacements, found they didn't exist. And just like, we didn't want the stroller anymore. And it was from Amazon, which had like a three month return policy, but then returning it was a whole thing in and of itself. Cause like they wouldn't give us a, they said, okay, we'll return it. But normally like when you return something to Amazon, they give you, a, you know, you just bring it in to Whole Foods or whatever and they take it back. This time they were insisting like, no, you have to take it to UPS, I think. And you need to bring your own box. Well, this is a giant stroller and you can't really, because it was a cheaper brand, you couldn't really like take it down any more than like a normal stroller size. So we basically had to find a box. I think UPS quoted something like $100 for a box that was big enough to fit the stroller. So we had this like month long odyssey where we just were finding, trying to find a box for the stroller. And so what, this is all or a long way to say, we did end up finding a, I think it was like a moving box for a, you know, one of those tall ones that has oh, yeah. the bar in it to hold laundry yeah. and gave it to him. And we got our refund finally, but um, yeah, if you can definitely like, if you can afford it or if you can, uh, you know, some of, some of these ways to get a more affordable version of a jogging stroller, a good one, I would highly recommend it because the cheaper ones, well, that was the other thing too, was we went to the, we actually looked at the jogging stroller and it was, um, it's definitely a jogging stroller, right? Like everybody knows what a jogging stroller looks like. And so this was a jogging stroller. But then when we actually like looked at the description of the jogging stroller, they're like, this stroller is not designed for, basically it said in like legal speak more or less, this is not a jogging stroller. When it's like, this is clearly a <laughs> jogging stroller. So th they were basically saying that they were not, on the hook for if this thing completely failed for its intended purpose because they were selling it as not a jogging stroller. So it was really frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, um, I've never had a lot of success with jogging strollers. We had our first like click and connect stroller that it was one of those really expensive Graco ones. That's like the car seat that clicks into the base mm -hmm. and the base was like, like you said, quote unquote, not a jogging stroller. Um, you know, that, that worked fine. The first couple of times I went on a, on a little run, um, you know, definitely more of a speed walking, <laughs> you know, I, I've never also, you know, caveat, I'm not a fast runner. And when I do, uh, you know, run, it's not a, an, a very aggressive or on very aggressive terrain. Um, but we did get a, a jogging stroller gifted to us by a cousin. I think I, I still haven't used that for that same goat head problem. Like just the inner tubes are, are not designed for the harsh New Mexico terrain. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm it's still sitting in our shed. But. So I think one of the things that Lindsay has had luck with, because I'm not a runner, period. I hate running. Um, I just find it so boring. And But this you know, during COVID, the gyms were closed. And so I pretty much had no choice but to go running for exercise. And... Lindsay has had luck with, I'm going to bring them up again. They really do owe this podcast some money after this, but REI, they will, if you're a member, they'll, or Lindsay's not even a member. So it's my membership that she's using. So you don't even have to be a member, but, um, they'll replace, they replace the inner tubes for like eight bucks and they like treat it with this substance that basically prevents, or at least makes it less likely that your inner tube is going to get punctured. Like some slime? Yeah, it's like slime. And I think they use like this high quality inner tube that's supposed to be like puncture resistant. Yeah. And, and so Always. it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to use it once, maybe not worth it. But if you're going to do it frequently, probably worth the trouble to go do it. 
yeah. Well, you know, I think um, I think we covered gear pretty good because nothing else jumps to mind. Does not mean that there's not other things that are lifesavers. But you know what? I think our wives are a little more thorough, and since they're doing this regularly, they can always bring up. I'm sure they. And I think the Christmas episode I want to say was very gear centric, but maybe I'm misremembering. Um, yeah, that sounds correct. Well, either way, I think we can kind of segue into what they really want us to talk about is like, um, you know, how to be uh, you know, lessons learned in the third and, you know, kind of uh, elusive fourth trimester. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is very much tainted with my perspective and, and my experience. So obviously your mileage may vary. And I'd be curious to hear your, because like I said, we haven't really talked about this. So I'd be curious to hear your take on every and all of this but um like i think during the pregnancy in general um i think that the one of the harder things was kind of like you know the the mother is obviously the one that's pregnant and the one that's feeling the physical effects of being pregnant and then you know there's lifestyle changes too right like Lindsay couldn't exercise the same way obviously you know, you're talking coffee beer uh wine um, unpasteurized cheeses and sushi and all this stuff that they have to basically give up yeah. questionable whether or not they actually do but uh, I'll leave that for a different episode and um, you know I think when you're the when you're the guy when you're the husband it's like you don't have to do any of that and I know you know it's funny when Lindsay got pregnant some people asked if I was giving up booze and solidarity and i'm like uh no <laughs> like why would i do that i'm not the one that's pregnant and so i think like when you're the husband it, it's like you don't nothing really functionally changes i mean it sort of does but it, it mostly doesn't and so i guess the one thing that i would say advice wise for that is like you know and, and generally my advice when it comes to working with your partner throughout the entirety of pregnancy and then fourth and fifth and sixth trimesters and so on is, uh, you know, you're having a different experience. And I'd say that's advice that I would give the mother too, is that you're having a different experience than the husband than the father. Um, and to be cognizant of that and to be cognizant that like, it's not necessarily going to be a 50, 50 split. I don't know what your experience was, but I felt like one of the things that was very hard for us, something that we might, to some extent still be dealing with is just this notion of like, you know, especially when it comes to things like breastfeeding, it's like, I can't breastfeed uh, as much as I want to. I can't do it. Yeah. So like, and, and I, I say that jokingly, but in reality it is like yeah. when, when he would wake up four times in the middle of the night for a night feeding, it's like, I, you know, there was times when I would wake up, I'd grab the bottle and I'd go in there and try to feed him to try to give my wife, a break but he just didn't want the bottle yeah and so it became very clear at that point that like i it's not going to be a 50 50 split it's going to be like probably an 80 20 split and yeah it's advice i'd give both the mother i mean the mother probably doesn't want to hear that unfortunately it's it's just it's, it was one of those things that in my opinion it's true i mean and may your again your mileage may vary depending on how you do things but and it, it's tough you know i i think one of the things i i tried to say quite a bit is yeah I don't know what you're going through yeah like I'm I can't imagine what that's like like I physically cannot imagine what that's like um you know and just trying to empathize and listen and adapt um 
you know, my routine or what I needed to, you know, if there was practical things I could, I could do. And of course, you know, we, we had a, a very unique experience as well. I think I was able to do a lot more for my wife during pregnancy because we were stable. We had our house in El Paso. Um, I was working from home because of COVID. Um, you know, I, um, so I'd, I'd be upstairs, I'd be in the office and she'd text me, hey, can you grab me this? Can you, you know, help with this? Um, you know, she, I'm sure, um, you know, could talk chronicles about the different random ailments that she went through that was not, you know, tech, technically like a textbook <laughs> pregnancy, like, you know, pups halfway through the pregnancy, even before you were, you know, the, you know, so for those that don't know, like pups is like this rash that you can get, like very, very painful. Um, not really solved by anything. Um, it's just by the, you know, the body's reaction to a very quick, um, you know, growth of the skin and stretching of the skin. But, you know, Sophia experienced that, it, you know, and it, we don't even know if it was pups, to be honest. Um, but there was various things like that, that like, it, it was horrible. Like it was horrible to watch my wife go through this, especially Sophia, who I know is super tough and has been through a crazy amount army you know, through through basic training and her time in Poland and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, to to see that there was really no out for that was really tough to see that there's no solution sometimes. And that, that can feel very disheartening, I think. Um, you know, as a dad, to not be able to step in and solve things, because that, that is always my impulse, right? To, to step up and be like, okay, you need this, I'll go do it. Or I'll go, you know, even if I don't always live up to that, that's kind of what I you know, what I would like to do. <laughs> but there's also lots of times, particularly through pregnancy in those early few months, um, that just wasn't possible. And for, for me in particular, you know, like I mentioned before, we moved up here, um, you know, my daughter was very young, five days, and that, you know, quote unquote, fourth trimester, when, you know, the baby is like nursing, you know, once every 90 minutes or something. And, there's just a lot of like physical toll on the mom. I really couldn't be there for a lot of that. You know, I was working, you know, 12 hour days sometimes, 18 hour days. And it's, you know, when, when you can't like physically be there, even just for emotional support, that causes a lot of, you know, that caused a lot of, uh, a lot of heartache, you know, a lot of tension in the marriage too, because, you know, there was this sense of like unfulfilled duty not that I, not to say I could even fulfill any of that, you know, like you said, I mean, I can't breastfeed. I can't, you know, um, well, not a lot, even if you're not breastfeeding, it's like yeah. sometimes the baby like, just wants mom. I mean, yeah. and I've read this, I've read that like, it's pretty common for infants, young babies to pick a favorite parent. And it's all, it's like 80% of the time it's mom. Sometimes you get quote unquote lucky and it's dad, but like 80% of the time it's mom. And like, just even even without breastfeeding it's like the kid just sometimes wants to be held by mom yeah which like i can imagine is very tough for the mother but you know maybe what i would ask for the mother for mothers out there is you know just to maintain some perspective on the fact that it's hard when you yeah it is hard when you can't do anything i mean like i remember you know probably for that first three months it was like i was probably getting like two hours of sleep a night and it wasn't even because he was necessarily waking up in the middle of the night. It was like, I would be so tired and my head would hit the pillow 
And immediately it was like, nope, I'm wide awake. And it was just, okay, I'm thinking, I'm stressed. He's going to wake up. And then he's going to wake up and my wife's going to get upset. And then I'm going to feel like I have to do something. And I know that there's going to be this like guilt of like, I can't help. I can't do anything. And so I think like it's important for the moms to realize that like your husband might be doing the best he can and he might be trying really hard. And the fact is, is like you're probably trying harder. And so it doesn't look like your husband is trying, it could do more, but maybe he just can't. And like, that's something that I think both, both sides of the, of the story, I think the couple need to think about And, you know, I, and at the same time, like, I'm not going to sit there and make excuses for bad dads. Like I'm sure there are bad dads out there who just don't do anything right. Like, Oh, I'm going to the bar tonight, even though the kid's screaming and is a week old. Yeah. And it's, it's easier. I think it's, there's a lot of, a lot of excuses that that can I think come about and I and I see it I mean bad dads absent dads in general are an epidemic in in our society and frankly it it's easy you know to 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 kind of get to that uncomfortable place and just kind of want to check out you know um, but you know I think like you said there are some tough conversations that come during that time of look, here's a, here's a list of like, you know, things that, that must get done, things that, you know, um, demands from your baby that must be filled. And here's the, the realistic checklist of things that I can check off. And, you know, it, it's not 50-50. I mean, it, 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 it can't be, you know. I mean, to, to go through the physical act of birth and you know the recovery process is obviously all interlaced with you know that that those early few months of of your baby um but it you know it is nonetheless as i you know we got to witness physically exhausting for the mom and i i think you know were were we to have a second kid it would be a lot not easier. I don't think there's any way to make it easier, but at least less painful for us as a couple. Because I think when you have those expectations of, you know, you know, I, okay, here are a list of things that I can take off your plate. I can, you know, um, make some ramen. I can get you some water. I can, um, stay up and do the dishes or what, you know, whatever, like various things around the house that, you know, typically I think. When the, I, <clears throat> piggybacking off that, I think it's important for the moms out there to, I, you know, and again, I'm speaking kind of for myself here, but like, I think generally, I think maybe it's appropriate to say generally men have kind of a, let's say problem solving type mindset where it's like you give them something to do they can do it. The problem I think is like when you frame it, like I need support and how the support is defined is sort of like a vague, you need to be there and listen to me. Like that's especially when maybe they're not under as much stress as you, but maybe they're under 80% of the stress you are or 70% of the stress you are, which is still a lot of stress and framing it like, well, you need to, you know, support me when that's like a vague, kind of listen to me, be my therapist type support, it might not be very easy 
for your partner to do, it might be, that might be a, a bigger ask than you're realizing, especially, like I said, if, if, if he's under a lot of stress and under a lot of duress, maybe not as much as you, fair enough, but, but getting up there, I think it can be, uh, yeah, like I said, I think it could be sure, a big I, ask. I think, you know, having, having more clarity on yeah. specific. And so what I wanted to, con- yeah. what I wanted to connect with what you were saying is like, if you can maybe frame that support, like what you want in a way that's like, here's a list or here's something that like concrete that you can do to help me because it might, you know, general emotional support, it might, you know, obviously I'm sure if you have a good husband, they want to do that. But like, as far as how practically they can do that, it can be very difficult when they're going through a lot. So I think like maybe trying to reframe that as like, can you do this? Can you do X, Y, and Z for me? Where those are concrete tasks that are accomplishable. And I think that is, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to say like, that's an easy thing to do because yeah. some, it might not be. I well, mean, and, and I think, you know, from, from my perspective, it has even helped in, you know, recent days to, to make clear what, what I need as well. Cause I think that's a little bit lost sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that is like, you know, <laughs> part of, part of, you know, I, what I felt, and this is, you know, me speaking, of course, to my experience was to be that, that squeegee a little bit, you know, to, or shamwa, whatever analogy you want to use, soak up some of the, some of the tension, some of the responsibility, the emotional burden, um, you know, cause I can't bear the physical. So, but then to, to, to have all that with me and, and to have an outlet to, to release that, to, to have some time of, um, you know, and, and that, might look different in different seasons, you know, I, you know, I can't say I even had the, the physical, you know, endurance to want to go for a walk by myself or something during those early months or exercise, you know, even further away. But to also, but like I said, just, just to, to build in time for yourself and, and it can be a, you know, I don't know. It, it it's different for everybody, and but but to find that outlet of a little bit of peace, a little bit of you know, and and you know, this is also speaks to my kind of introverted natural self. You know, I need that that for me, it's personal time. I need I need that that solace just for, and, and it can be a short block. Even just a short block charges me up to. All right, I need to you know. Then I can go back to diving straight into you know, whatever my checklist is for the day, work, home stuff, you know, chores, whatever. Because when I am emotionally drained and physically drained, then I'm kind of useless to everybody. (laughs) Yeah. And that was kind of, that was something that I had to really stress to Lindsay. I think when we were in the kind of the newborn phase is like, you know, there was an, I'll, there was one thing that was said on this podcast in a past episode that, and I won't get into the specifics of it, but I'll say that there was a similar experience we had where it was like me going to work was viewed as free time. And I had to kind of say like, you know, when I'm at work, like I'm working, I, and I can definitely say like, yeah, I appreciate that there's not a baby screaming at me who needs my attention. Like it is a nice thing about going to work, but like, I'm still going to work it's not like I'm leaving the house and then just like twiddling my thumbs and playing video games or something at the office. And so, you know, I think 
I think that you, that is an important thing where if you're, the father needs to realize like you do need to communicate still. You need to communicate back to your wife because she probably doesn't hate you. There might be some resentment of like, oh, you don't have to breastfeed. You don't have to do all this stuff, but she probably doesn't hate you, right? She had a kid with you. So hopefully she doesn't hate you. And like, you need to, you also need to communicate that like, you know, a lot of times it's like this world that you've created or that you've thought of where it's like, I'm going to work and I'm just like baby free. Life is great. It's like, actually I'm running on two hours of sleep. I had to wake up at 5.15 in the morning so I could do the 30, 45 minute commute to the office where I now have work expectations. Oh, and I'm the only income earner because you're not working right now. And like, I think like you have to, you have to keep in mind that that may seem obvious to your wife or your partner that she's cognizant of all that, but kind of connecting to what I said earlier where you're under a lot of stress and it may not be obvious. It may not be something she's actively thinking of. You might have to kind of remind her like this. It's not like a walk in the park for me. Like I'm, I'm doing stuff too. It's just not, it's just not maybe in the areas where you want the most direct help, but it's, I can't really help you in those areas. I think it's maybe the issue I've run into, and you know, like uh, I would recommend, I'm going to plug, I'm a really big fan of this podcast called The Rest is History. It's these like two historians who just talk about different historical topics. It's a really good podcast. You should definitely listen to it. And um, they had a really good episode where they invited a professional midwife on. I actually think one of the hosts' wife is a midwife as well. And um, they talked about like the history of childbirth. And it's one of these things where it's like for essentially all of human history, like the man, the husband's involvement in childbirth, in like postpartum duties has essentially been nil. So I think it's important to keep this perspective of like this idea that like, and I don't, I don't want people to get the wrong idea with what I'm saying here. I don't, I'm not saying like the husband shouldn't help. The husband shouldn't take on responsibilities. The husband shouldn't be present with the child. But I think it's important to keep the perspective of like, we're, this is kind of like a running experiment. That's like, I mean, 20 years ago, you weren't getting paid time off if you were a father, most likely. So like, this is an experiment that is like barely a generation old. And it's not clear that like, you know, it's not obvious how, um, it's not necessarily obvious what the husband's role in this new environment is. Right. So just be patient. And I think, yeah, communicate for sure. Yeah. I mean, of course we all Monday morning quarterback those early months, because when you're in it, you're in it. <laughs> There's, what? Yeah. You know, and, but you know, I think, um, yeah, I mean, communication, you know, early in those kind of frank and at the time, I mean, they're, they're frankly uncomfortable to, to, to kind of come up and say, uh, I, I, I know you need this, but I need this and I want to support you and what you need. Um, that, that I think makes a big difference and it makes a big difference all throughout. I, I mean, throughout, you know, as, as your, as your baby grows up too, you know, it's different seasons. Um, but speaking, of, I, I, I think the, the history note is, is, is important because, you know, for, for, for many generations, I think about my grandmother who was pregnant at 17 and, um, knocked up on prom night <laughs> as she tells the story, 
her mother-in-law, uh, you know, and my great grandparents got together and said, okay, you guys are going to get married. And they did, they got married. And then my mother-in-law moved in. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> my grandmother moved in with her mother-in-law, uh, to raise the baby in a house with eight boys, one of which was her husband now, <laughs> um, you know, her, her, her mother-in-law, which was, um, you know, a tough relationship. Um, and to, but, you know, despite the, the challenges of that difficult situation, it was still the village, you know, it was still, you know, a, a, a tight knit household of family that all had, was vested in the child's well-being and upbringing, um, you know, and, and skipping over all the drama with that, <laughs> um, you know, this is kind of like you said, an experiment in, um, you know, the nuclear household, right? I mean, for generations, we've had multi-generational communities and households and proximity to, to family in particular, but also support networks um, has never been so disconnected. You know, the digital era, the, there's lots of things with, um, I mean, there's, there's lots of reasons for that. I'm sure we could do a whole nother podcast yeah. on, but, you know, to now be in this situation where, you know, there is a, an expectation as fathers that, that we, that we do step up and take on that community role, you know, not just. And it, yeah, that's definitely important to remember is like, yeah, you think about what would, what would a childbirth, let's not talk about the actual birth, but what would a like postpartum have looked like for people a hundred years ago? It, yeah. It probably would have been much more like dad looks at the baby, gives it a kiss. And then it's like, all right, I'm going to the steel mill tomorrow. And like grandma and great grandma will be here to take care of you. And like, you know, the family will come around because, you know, let's face it a hundred years ago, none of the women probably would have been working. So it's like, they could have all gathered together and like, it would have been a completely different dynamic. And I think one, yeah, this is just something else that's really important to keep perspective of is like, you're taking that entire familial dynamic and you're basically what we've done in, today's societies because we have to is because mo I mean, look, I mean, we chose to live not near our parents, right? It's, it's, it's our fault. We are part of society. So it's like, as much as it's great to blame these others, it's like, you know, we are part of the problem in the sense, in that sense, but like you're expecting the father to kind of take on this role that previously like an entire community like you said would have been taking on so it is you know that's a lot of pressure that you have to remember i mean and maybe it's not fair to frame it like oh the entire role is voiced on the father maybe maybe it'd be more appropriate to say like the entire role is taken on by the parents jointly but that is also like a lot on the father that previously would not have been there sure. and and it's something where it's like i can't even like i mean my dad he, so I can't remember if it was when I was born or when my brother was born, but one of the things he, he that I didn't know until, uh, you know, we gave birth or my, my wife gave birth to our son, we were talking about it, is he had like a work trip that I think it was after my brother was born, he went to like, I, I can't remember where, but he went on a work trip and he was gone for like a week, like the day after. It, like, I can't even relate to him about it. And that was 25 years ago. 26 because my brother's birthday was yesterday. So, um, it's like you, this is a completely different way of doing things even than it was a generation ago. Yeah. And, you know, I think 
you know, obviously we're all we're all the products of, of how we were how we were brought up and the culture in which we were raised, um, and that influences a lot of expectations. I think, um, you know, I didn't I didn't maybe have much of a framework of what my responsibilities would be, and I think you know I'm not going to fault my parents for that. I, you know, I never asked to investigate that or like, Dad, what did you do when when I was born or how was it. Like you said, I mean, these stories come out after we're already in the thick of it, right? Um, but in the same token, I think that framing is also helpful because then you can put your your own upbringing in context. Um, because my my recollection of my my upbringing is I had a very I'm very fortunate to have had a, a great childhood. You know, I had I had two parent household. We um, you know, my, my dad was very involved, always. Um, you know, they didn't have, you know, very uh, public, I guess I'll say, fights or disagreements. And when they were, you know, out in the open, they, they were sure to, you know, always try to let us know that they, they still loved each other and they loved us. And But, you know, other than that, I, I, had, a, I had a great childhood. I had two, two younger siblings. That was like the extent of my understanding of children. Cause, but even at the youngest, my little sister's only five years younger than me. So I didn't really get to, get to have any framework for what it was like to raise an, an infant. I mean, anybody in my family who had an infant, um, you know, it was like kind of a foreign concept to me I, I had no frankly no drive to understand what was going on or try to like contextualize it with my parents um, despite the fact that all those things I, I wish I kind of would have um, but you know one one piece of advice I guess would give is to have some of those conversations with your parents because they are in many ways the most direct link to how you will inevitably try to raise your child and if I think some of those fundamental things are not there uh, context um, it, it, it could give you a, a jaded or, or incorrect uh, you know framework by which you then raise your own child um, you know I wish I, I wish I had asked my mom more about some of those hard times you know she was raising two boys that were within two years of each other. Um, I know that was hard on her, and I and I know it more now because she's expressed that to me now that I have my own baby. But if I had, I wish I had kind of leaned into that, especially once we knew we were expecting. Um, you know, it's not like they're gonna. You know, they always t parents that have been parents for a while always tell you, oh, I don't even remember what it was like. Um, but you probe a little bit, and they do, right? I mean, because some of those things do last, like. Um, you know, expectations they, they had or um, didn't have. And, um, and like I said, I mean, all of that informed how they raised you for the better, for the worse. And so you carry that into fatherhood and you carry that into parenthood. I think that's all important to, to know, you know? Yeah, I think that's, it's important. Um, the funny thing for me was, yeah, I don't think I talked to my parents much about like, well, if you have a conversation with my mom about us as babies, you get these weird cartoonish stories that I'm almost positive did not happen the way that she's remembering them. So I'm not sure how much that would have helped me. Um, my dad doesn't really, I mean, well, it's funny because like we already established, like 
it was just different then, right? Like you weren't the father wasn't even home when when that when uh, we were born. Um, but you know, I'm I did talk to some people like at the office, you know, because a lot of you know most of the people I work with are probably ten to twenty years older than me, just because of the demographics of my of where I work, and so a lot of them have already had kids. A lot of them are older, the kids that is, and so you know they would they had all these stories about how tired they always were and and it actually kind of scared me and the one the biggest piece of advice i'll give any new dad is that like it gets better like whatever you're feeling like it gets better and so like i think of it might have even just been like the first night like the night he was born and he was just constantly crying and i just remembered thinking like you know i i remembered thinking like he's just going to cry for like the rest of his childhood until he's like three years old or four years old he's just gonna cry every night and i'm never gonna sleep oh and then when he's older he's just gonna be up with playing video games and he's gonna be loud and he's and i'm never gonna get like a night's sleep again and it's like no that's unrealistic you're things will get better like he's crying he won't sleep it'll get better and i think that's that's something you know now that we're um expecting another it's something where i like i look on that and i'm just like you know i'm sure it'll suck i'm sure we won't get sleep I'm sure we'll fight, but like I know, I the perspective I have now, that is, I'm really trying to imbue on other maybe dads to be listening to this or or people who would like to be a dad one day is like it will get better. It's not going to be just, you know, one thing that you kind of have to do. I think when you first bring the kid home and that you're, you know, not necessarily equipped to do in that instant, it will take time is that you do have like this new identity that going back to what I said at the beginning of this podcast is like the mom, she physically changes, right? Those nine months, she's physically changing. She kind of adopts that identity of being a mom, um, more gradually in a sense, like she's kind of, uh, yeah, gradually becomes a mom versus as a dad. Yeah. Like you're still, the dad of the unborn baby and stuff, but like, you don't really, you know, I didn't really feel like I'm a dad until the kid was out. And then it's like, you, you don't have that ramp up period. Like all of a sudden you're a dad now versus like the mom is kind of like, she can feel the baby inside her. She can feel her body changing. Um, And so I think that's one of the things that you kind of have to struggle through with being a dad is like kind of, adopting that identity and it's probably why there are a lot of bad dads out there because that's a hard thing to do it's hard to like experience that like slight ego death of becoming mm-hmm. a parent when you're a it might be a little bit harder when you're a dad because you oh, i shouldn't say it's harder but it's it's different work because it happens like it's just that guillotine of like yeah. the kid comes out and it's like yep you're a dad now that is that is a tough thing um but it's like the best piece of advice one of the best pieces of advice I got as a new dad was from my boss. Uh, you know, he's like 10 years older than me. Um, <clears throat> he has, he's got kids that are, uh, you know, in elementary school. So he's, he's been a dad very, very recently. Um, yeah, he just told me, he said, everything's seasons. You know, it's like, um, you know, I think once you kind of accept that the season of, you know, your 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 small two parent um, that's it family that season is now coming to a close 
you're coming into a new season of fatherhood, like the more you digest that, I think the easier it is to, you know, um, to bite off, you know, I, I'm sure it's the same way with hiking, you know, you spot, okay, you know, when you take it in chunks, it's more digestible. You know, when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, it can feel overwhelming and incredibly stressful. But, you know, like my boss was very gracious with me in those first few months, he gave me a lot of quote unquote work from home days um, <laughs> to come home and, and, and you know, attend, attend to, to our newborn and to my wife and, um, you know, be supportive at that time. Of course it was COVID too, but, um, and, he, and he told me, he said, you know, everything seasons and, and right now you're in a season of being needed a lot at home. But, you know, if you can digest the fact that you're needed a lot at home right now, and in a few months, I'm gonna need you a lot at work, like that made it a lot easier for me because then I could say, okay, like the guilt and the stress of not giving my 150% of my attention to work and simultaneously giving 100%, you know, 150% to, to home, because that is the expectation, right? Like in the glammed up Instagram, whatever, that you are able to give 100% to all of it, you know, be super ambitious and then not have to sacrifice anything at home or, or be a great dad and a great husband in, in the traditional sense and like, you know, also excel at work. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think, um, you know, there's there's always sacrifice. I mean, and it's how you strategize through the scarcity, the scarcity of your time, resources, physical and emotional, you know, uh, gambit. As you, how you strategize and how you take chunks of that, of those seasons, I think really helps. It, it eases my burden because then I know for example, you know, like I said, I mean, I have, you know, two really busy months at work where I'm there late at night and, you know, very busy and I can't check in with my wife as often as I'd like to or FaceTime or whatever. Um, I can feel a little bit less guilty being there. And then, like I said, when it's slow at work and, you know, I, I, I take the afternoon to work from home to, to be present, like, I feel a little bit less... <laughs> less guilty and it's still a work in progress I'm still learning to not let everything consume my my psyche all at once but I think as guys we're still for in a world of multitasking we're still creatures of focus and I think that's a gift in its own right you know um, Sophia always always notes that she's envious of my ability to live in the moment a little bit um, you know, and, and my lack of anxiety about future things that I, I've just statistically accepted are out of my control. <laughs> I can't determine if, you know, what, whatever. X, Y, Z, I'm sure they talk about it all the time, all the things that are worried about, but, you know, I, I really pride myself and, and have just decided, you know what, I'm not a multitasker. I know that's not super conducive in this, in this world right now, but if I can give my all to one thing in a moment, I will have far outpaced expectations of me because I think um, it's so easy. It's so easy to get pulled in many different directions and, you know, be pulled into indifference or into inaction. Um, and that's the overwhelming, you know, 
guilt, like I said, of all these things that you are expected. But take it one season at a time, take it one bite at a time, one task. And it's always brighter on the other end. And there's lots of seasons now that we get to enjoy that wouldn't have been possible without those harder seasons, you know, early in, early in Ellie's life. So that's a good spot to kind of close things up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll just add one thing and just like, especially when you're the, you know, when you're in that newborn phase, <clears throat> especially as the dad, you don't get any of that like physical gratification. Um, but when, you know, you're, kid is a little bit older and they can hug you or say da da like that's when it all just feels worth it mm. um and I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't before then but that's like mm. that's a great feeling or you know when you have those first moments like the first time you play catch and the kid doesn't really understand it uh, catch for us is more like fetch but it's still <laughs> pretty cute and and it's like those like stereotypical dad moments that seem cheesy and you're like, Oh, this is actually great. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, Nate, well, uh, thanks. And, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up like there. Uh, cue the outro music. Yeah. Well, like, I want to say, well, I want to say first, <laughs> I, they'll, they'll, they'll cut this out if they don't want it in, but I proposed that we did dad run mom trivia where the, the moms play against each other. Uh, and we do, I, I could create say, 50 trivia questions and they could battle against each other and then see who wins. So uh, that sounds like something the listenership would be interested in. You know, you know who to contact. Yeah, drop a comment below or whatever the saying is. Yep. All right. So, yep, that's it from us. Cool. Thanks. So this was my favorite episode to date. I hope you guys really enjoyed it too. And another special thing about this episode, it is the last episode of season one and the final episode before we go on our winter break. We will be back in 2023 with more amazing content for you guys, more interviews, more relatable content. And yes, of course, we will also be discussing uh, being pregnant with a toddler and how that goes. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for all the support and love that you've shown us in season one and you know you're really making Sophie and Mai's dreams come true and we really really appreciate and love you guys so please like us on Facebook moms of minis follow us on Instagram moms of minis or email us moms of minis pod at gmail.com we love you stay safe happy holidays stay warm all the things and we'll see you in 2023 thanks guys